Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome to. I was about to say welcome back, but it's really welcome to because this is a very new thing that I would like to start doing on Sunday nights because Stacy Gutzulius, who is here of Locked On Yankees, Stacy, there was this thing called. Sunday night baseball that people hmm. used to do. Your team used to enrage Americans all over the place because of the four and a half hour broadcast that took place once a month during the summer months, during whenever Red Sox, Yankees, Sunday night baseball, Joe Morgan. It was a it was a tradition unlike any other. So I thought with basketball winding down and I need more than one baseball pod a week that I do with Fangraphs John Taylor. Um, to add a Sunday night baseball. So we're getting two pods and I wanted to bring you back, Stacey, because our conversations are fun. And I cannot believe it's already been two years since we last podcasted together. Does it feel like it's been two years for you? With the pandemic thrown in, it feels like five. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I mean, it uh, the pandemic, what what a year. Um, I was just reading a piece in the New York Times and I might have the the author who wrote it on later this week, but... Arkansas just getting destroyed by it and the the uh, unvaccinated counties across the country just getting decimated at the moment with Delta variants. It's all very it's it's just sad. I mm. it's so sad. I don't I argue like my mom has the right idea where she's just like unplugged. She's unplugged from it all and just is like can't do it. Burn out. Can't do it. I'm going to yeah. watch my murder shows, listen to my uh horror shows and that's that's gonna be my life that's that's what i'm doing right now that uh that gives me peace um what about you what do you what do you do to cope with uh the daily news cycle i try to avoid it because it is it's just so depressing um you know i do my work for the day i record my podcast five times a week i have another podcast i work on once a week um so i do that as much as possible. And then I just write fiction and I kind of put myself in a place that's not here <laughs> for hours a day. And it kind of helps me not think about the really bad stuff because it was, it's just been rough this past year. Um, I mean, honestly, I really was afraid that <laughs> it was going to be a lot worse for me um, given my issues with mental health. But considering that, I actually did pretty well during the pandemic because I was able to separate everything and not, it's just too much. And to everyone listening, if you feel like it's too much for you, just do the same. Just unplug however you can. If you need to delete things off your phone, not go on your computer as much. I know sometimes it feels like you miss a lot if you're not on your phone 24 hours a day, but I promise it's better that way. <laughs> Phones are the worst thing. I, I, um, I go back and forth with this because people think I'm AWOL all the time. And um, it's not because I'm intentionally ignoring them, but it's that I keep my phone in the other room almost all day long, mm. Stacy, Like I, to work, to write, to read, to do what I need to do. I also just can't, to bring it to sports a little bit, like I, I don't know how people watch sporting events and retain a lot with their phones on them. Like I, I need, I'm taking notes, like the amount of legal pads. Um, I just uh, moved in with a girlfriend and she's just, she's seeing how many notepads and how many sports reporter books that like I just have lying around all over the place that I'm moving with me. Cause I'm just, I'll go back and I'll look at something. I'm like, Oh yeah. Remember in 2009, Oregon versus Oregon state. And I, that's how I retain everything is I take notes on everything that I'm reading and watching and I guess that's how I know I'm in the right career path. But like 
that is the only way I can really retain. Like this could even translated into school, the difference between note taking with my laptop versus note taking by hand, um, night and day, like the, what I retain and how well I do in the course. Um, so in grad school right now, like I do all my note taking by hand and, um, it still works even at 30. I'm still, uh, I'm still doing the old fashioned way. It's, it's, it's my thing. So I, I would love to not have a smartphone and I would highly encourage anyone who, um, is struggle struggling with just the weight of it all. is just to get rid of that phone. I'm telling you, you will feel so much better. <laughs> Note taking. Yeah. I mean, I went to school in the Stone Ages, so it wasn't like I had a lap. I didn't have a laptop with me. We had computer labs. And even then I used a word processor because, again, I went to school in the Stone Ages. But when I took notes in class, I would take them very sloppily in my spiral notebook. And then at the end of the week, I would rewrite all of my notes from all of my classes into a binder. And that's how I would get everything into my head. And it actually worked pretty well. (laughs) I like that. I might even do that. I like that. Um, Yeah. That's a good, that's a good, good tip. I like this. Um, so what in the last, what, look, I have actually two questions here because I didn't know you were writing um, a lot of fiction right now. So part one of this question, what are what are you writing? What have you found that works that makes fiction? Um, do you think it's more fun than sports writing? What, uh, what are the differences that you've, you've learned? Cause I've definitely always wanted to dip my toes into fiction writing, but I'm not going to lie. I've been absolutely terrified of doing so. Well, I always, I've always liked writing fiction. When I was younger, I wrote a lot of fan fiction. I love telling everyone this. I have a 586-page story in a loose-leaf binder somewhere in my closet, front and back, of uh, Beverly Hills 90210 that I wrote in high school. <laughs> and I promised people that if I found that notebook, which it's here somewhere, it's under a bunch of stuff, but if I found the notebook, I would take pictures or transcribe some of the stuff that I wrote when I was 17 and show people my fan fiction from back then because it was pretty funny, I have to say. But I will say that some of the stuff that I wrote actually came true on the show seasons later, Kelly and Dylan having their affair, David and Donna getting together. So it was just kind of funny that that happened. (laughs) And now my fiction is just, I don't know how to describe it. I just, I'm... I get story ideas in my head. Um, I started writing, I I went through a writer's block period. And then in early June of 2019, I just started like word vomiting all over my Google Docs. And since then I've written, and I tallied this up a month ago. At that point, it was 989,000 words. I had 26 stories, one of them completed, most of them open-ended. Some of them are above 150K words each. A lot are in the 50,000 range. It just was, someone told me I was hypergraphic, which I didn't realize. And then I realized on a day that I wrote 10,000 words alone, that that might be what my issue is. So it's just all these ideas come to my head and I have to write them. And sometimes I'm up on my phone at five o'clock in the morning on Google Docs because I don't want to turn my laptop on that's about to die. So yeah, um, I don't know. My brain is just really into this fiction thing and into this world that I've created with these characters. And, you know, I'll write different stories about the same characters, like different things happening to them. And yeah, I don't know. (laughs) So are you going to publish all of this? Oh, God, no. No one's even read any of it. It's all for me. I'm not going (laughs) to. So there's no interest in branching out. It's It's a personal thing. It's a therapeutic Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, it's really just getting all this stuff out of my head. I mean, maybe someday, but I'm just, I don't know. I'm afraid of that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I totally uh, empathize with that. And I, uh, I, back in the day, 
Um, this is just uh, all of our, we're letting out all of our, all of our dorky tendencies here. Stacey, <laughs> I, uh, I was very, very into um, Harry Potter fran- uh, fan fiction. Of course. It, oh man, that was that was my jam. And reading the different message boards and reading different pieces of like I I remember before Deathly Hollows came out, reading stuff and like different people plotting out how it was going to end and just being totally engrossed in what they were going to do. And um, also because I am as I you may know this, just uh, I write about professional wrestling a lot and I I watch a lot of it. And it's the maybe one of the the nerdiest things about me, but. Um, I very much love it, and I understand the why it's it's silly to to be em- as emotionally invested as I am at oftentimes. But I will say, there was this time when you're younger and you have a lot more free time to be the booker, to to be the GM of professional wrestling and planning out stories. That was my jam on message boards: planning out stories, planning out where characters should go, how TV should be booked. That was my jam, and I am unbelievably embarrassed at how how many words i put into my own google doc um (laughs) about all of these things but also i it's more reps it goes back to i think um the malcolm gladwell ten thousand hours thing of just uh getting in those reps doesn't matter what you're writing just write right Mm -hmm. yeah i mean you know there was one summer summer of 2000 i set up a yahoo geocities site and I was into Dawson's Creek. I was on Dawson's Creek twice as an extra. So I was like really into the show. Mm. And I created, (laughs) I created like fan fiction stories that took place over that summer between season three and season four. Mm. I created a desktop with different folders for different characters. And when you clicked on them, they were stories about the characters or they were diaries by the characters for the summer because I learned simple HTML that summer as well. So I put together this entire, you know, Dawson's Creek desktop that looked like an actual desktop with the folder icons and everything. I mean, talk about geeky. And I was turning 26 that summer, which is even more embarrassing, working full time at NBC and then going home at night and doing my Dawson's Creek stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> we all have our things. We all mm-hmm. have our things. Uh, but that's cool. I like that. I like that. What uh, what are you watching now before we get into some baseball? What uh, what shows are you are you into at the moment? I'm not really into anything because I don't have a TV in my room. The TV is downstairs. Other people watch the TV. <laughs> so um, the last show I binge watched was two weeks ago. I, I had to watch that sex life show on Netflix because everyone was talking about it. Okay. How was it? Basically soft porn. I mean, it okay. was just nakedness the entire time <laughs> and i started watching it twelve forty-five on a saturday night ended at seven thirty-six sunday morning i just stayed up the whole night because i wasn't feeling well and i knew i wasn't going to sleep and i thought okay everyone else is asleep i'll just watch this now i don't have to risk anyone walking in during a really crazy sex scene and i was so angry by how it ended <laughs> that i wasted nearly eight hours watching it i was so I'm like, this is why I don't watch anything because things just piss me off. So why did I even bother? Well, there you go. That's the rule <laughs> of thumb, folks. Why yeah. do we even bother? Uh, no, I'm watching Slasher right now. Uh, uh, my girlfriend is a big horror buff, so I like I watch a lot more of that now, and it's it's really bad, but it's also really good. I we we've done the last three Fridays and uh, recorded with Rosie Fletcher of Den of Geek um, over the weekend on Fear Street. Um, she was writing the reviews for that and. That was, I would highly recommend. I think you might like that one, Stacey. It's, mm. it, there, there's only three. 
based on Arnold Stein, but they're they're really, really good. They're all and the ending's fantastic. Like I, I very much enjoyed this trilogy. But they were doing it the whole one at a time thing for three weeks and it was it was delightful. Well, that's the other thing I find, and I don't know if anyone else finds this, but I tend to binge watch everything almost all in one shot. Like I try to get everything in as fast as possible because I'm the type of person that I can't handle people watching TV with me because if they ask questions, it drives me crazy. Mm. So I try to get in as much as possible. But then I find like three days later, I don't remember anything that happened because I watched all the episodes. I'll remember the beginning and the end, but the middle is muddy for me and I don't remember. And I don't know if that's a because it's a binge watching thing. And I think it's funny because some of those shows that are coming out lately are being released once a week and the young kids are not handling it well. <laughs> Because they're so used to being able to go on demand and watch everything in one shot and things being released once a week. It's almost like a foreign concept to them. That's wild. Um, it's funny. <laughs> um, well, let's get into some baseball. And don't forget, folks, you can listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. But if you are an Apple podcast, Spotify listener, anything like that, uh, leave the show a five-star rating and review. It helps more than you. Follow for free. Um, and read my work at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com and check out Stacy's stuff at Locked On Yankees, and you also have a, 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 I shouldn't say, I don't know how to phrase it, general, national, what is the word for your other baseball podcast? Um, I would say general. Okay. Um, you know, Dan and Jason talk about general baseball stuff, and then I'll interview writers and sometimes talk about general baseball stuff, but I also mm-hmm. like talking to them about the writing process because I'm fascinated by everyone's writing process. Ooh. I would be nervous about that. I don't know if I, I guess I am too, but I always wonder if I'm doing it right. I always yeah. wonder if like I'm like I don't want to learn that like all of the writers that I look up to or I read and their stuff is really good and I'm and their their situation is completely completely different <laughs> than my own. Then I'm like, oh fuck, I've, I've made some mistakes. What happened here? <laughs> there is no wrong way to write, really. That's true. When you think about it. I guess. I don't know. I feel like I've read some writers where I wonder, like, there's... Um, I feel like Outkick the Coverage might write the wrong way. Well, okay. Yes. I meant, like, the process of writing. <laughs> there's no wrong process. You know, however you do it, mm-hmm. you know, some authors will, cr- you know, cram everything in, you know, they have a deadline in six months, and they'll cram everything in until the last minute, which is the kind of person I would be. Mm-hmm. Um you know, others who outline things and, you know, there's, there's all different ways of writing. There really is no wrong way of doing the process. Yeah. Most of it's just doing it. Like when people ask me mm-hmm. about podcasting advice, like younger podcasters, my answer is always just like, don't overthink it. Like you just got to get the reps in. Like you just, you just got to keep going. Like every day, just, you got to be okay with it sucking. You got to be okay with some stuff not going the right way. You got to be okay with some stuff being lost to audio issues. Like you just gotta, you just gotta do it day at a time right. like that's the that's the best advice i can give you is just that like you just got to do it and get the reps in get the muscle memory things like that or nothing else will matter like that that's the best and i just feel bad because i'm like that just like go do it that's my advice to people but that's really <laughs> that's really it it's just go do no, it really and, and let the chips fall where they may like you'll be amazed at what you can accomplish or even just like how much you can improve by just getting the reps in and just jumping in the deep end and just seeing what happens um this leads us to the Yankees. Stay yes. Tuned. Yes. So the Yankees right now, I always think about this where it's like, it's all about a matter of perspective. Like where the Yankees are right now in the AL East, if you're a Yankees fan, I imagine is frustrating. Yes. If the Yankees were playing in the say 
NL East, NL mm-hmm. Central, yeah, AL Central. The lenses are completely different, right? <laughs> but by virtue of playing in a very tough division, Sands Baltimore, it this season looks like a disaster, and they're four games over five hundred, and there's still a lot of talent on this roster. You still have Garrett Cole. You still like injuries have obviously been an issue, but like. It is interesting to me to see and read different pieces about the Yankees and see how fans react to this stuff. Because I'm like, man, they're so, like if they were in just a, one division over, like this season mm-hmm. is looked at as like normal, great. Like they would absolutely be exactly where the White Sox are in the AL Central, and you're like, oh yeah, they could they could win it all. Like it's it's interesting to me. Is that a is that a fair assessment, or do you think it's worse than that? Um, I would say that's a fair assessment. This just feels like a very odd season. Um. We we last spoke in 2019 when the Yankees were, they won 103 games, 31 guys went on the IL. No one knew how the hell they did what they did with that many guys going on the IL and for some of the main guys being on the IL for so long. This season, sure, they've had some guys get injured, but the main guys that you worry about getting injured, especially Aaron Judge, although right now, you know, he's <laughs> he has COVID, so that's a problem. Um, but you know, he's played in most of the games this season. You know, the guys that you expected, you're just like, yeah, okay. Aaron Judge isn't going to play more than this many games this season. And, you know, up until the COVID protocols, he only missed, I think, three games with some mystery uh, mystery injury, and then he was fine. It's just very, it's weird. Um, <laughs> I don't know if, this might be carryover from 2020, because 2020 was very streaky for them, and that's why they finished 33 and 27. You know, they would rattle off a bunch of wins, then they'd lose a bunch in a row, and it was just very up and down for them. Glaber Torres is a big key for them. You know, um, he hit another home run tonight, and that's two in the last two games, and that was more than the one that he hit over the previous 42 games. So, um I believe that he is a big key to things. Other guys need to pick things up that hadn't been picking things up. And it's just odd that all the hitters were doing badly at the same time. Usually when you look at a lineup, you'll have a few guys who are hitting okay and some that aren't and the other guys will pick them up. And there were a lot of times where the Yankee hitters were all not doing anything. Um, I think other teams figured out that because they're righty heavy, they could throw certain pitchers against them who threw sliders or... I would say sliders are giving them the most problems from righty pitchers to the righty dominant lineup and making them look silly. Um, I think other teams figured that out. Um, would I like to see a left-handed batter in the lineup other than uh, Odor and Gardner? Yes. Will I anytime soon? Probably not. Um, but I just like that everyone is acting as if this is the worst Yankee team they've seen in however many years. One guy claimed he was a fan for 50 years. It was the worst team. I said, I wanted to tweet back at him and say, sir, do you remember 1990? Do you remember 1991? Cause I do. I was a teenager when those years happened and they were atrociously bad, like 20 games under 500 bad. This is not that this is just a team that people were expecting to do well, underperforming and disappointing you. There's a big difference between that and, and actually being a terrible team. 
So does that make sense? It does make sense. And I think okay. we're on the same page here. But do you think that's the general sentiment? Do you think we're now like the Yankees fans are a little bit spoiled? Or do you think with the amount of money, with the amount of development, just the Yankees have been like, people will throw the, the money stuff, but it's like they develop really, really well. Not to the extent that the Astros develop right. talent at this point, but like they develop really well. Like a lot of teams have the pipeline and they'll have the, the guys, but like you look at the Braves. I mean, I, it's my team and I see it where it's just like pitcher after pitcher. It's like, you have no idea. Like some guys will pop like UNESCO or Noah, you know, and you're just like, what in the world? And then guys like Colby Allard or Bryce Wilson or whoever will flame out. Um, Christian Pache, you just pencil him in. He's a, he's a great dude. He's going to be awesome in center field this year. No, he has been a non-factor. And it's just, it's so hard to go from the minor leagues and develop these guys. And you have no idea what they're going to be when they hit the major leagues. Um, the Yankees, by and large, do a really, really good job. And you bet on Yankees guys outside of starting pitching for whatever reason. They will right. never develop a starter. Like I, I just, Tyler Clippard, Phil Hughes, you can go up and down the list. There's so many guys. Like it's I was been, going, yeah, it's I did a so deep long. dive the other day on that. Cause I was always <laughs> curious. Cause I'm just like, man, Jabba, I could go up. Like, it's just, I could we can name some guys shout out to david roth but um what like what do they do in your estimation stacy to get back into their groove to get right and to make a serious run at what i still think is a pretty open al like i do think the astros are the best team in baseball at the moment but like i don't think it's the the line with their starting pitching that like i'm just i they're unbeatable i don't think the astros are unbeatable I mm-hmm. just, I wonder, and you look at the the White Sox record against teams who actually are not in the AL Central and their injuries. And I mean, the Red Sox are getting unreal pitching from their starting pitching. Does that, do we believe that holds up even with Chris Sale come back? Like, there's all kinds of questions. And of the Yankees, I think there is a lot of room for optimism. Do you think this is still salvageable? And is there some sort of move that makes the most sense to get them there? Well, I mean, they just beat the Red Sox 9-1. The mm. game just finished, and Aroldis Chapman pitched a clean... Wow, he pitched a clean ninth inning. I can't believe it. Um, <laughs> I was at the game against the Angels when he gave up the Grand Slam, and then they lost. So um, I was snake-bitten by Aroldis Chapman my first time back in Yankee Stadium in almost two years, and I'm sitting there thinking, ooh, they're going to win. It's 8-4, and then they lose 11-8. But anyway... This series was a big series for the Yankees. They needed to win three out of four. They only played three because of the rain out. They won two out of three. They needed this because they have the off day tomorrow. They're playing two against the Phillies. Then they played the Red Sox again for four more, this time in Fenway. And then they go to, I believe it's the Rays. And then they go to the Marlins. So this stretch right before the trade deadline is the biggest stretch for the Yankees. And they have to do this at least until I think the weekend without Aaron Judge, (laughs) without Gio Urshela, without Kyle Higashioka backing up Gary Sanchez, without Jonathan Luizaga, who's a big bullpen arm and pitching really well. Nestor Cortez, another important guy. And Wandy Peralta, I mean, you know, not the best pitcher, but he's done well for the Yankees in a pinch. And the fact that they were able to do this against the first place Red Sox is a big key, f- a big key for them. Um, this is the time that they're going to find out if they're, we've all, you know what, <laughs> Brian Cashman already said they're going to be buyers. And I don't, I really don't think that's going to change. I think they believe that they can still turn this around. As you said, the AL East, I mean, the Yankees are seven games back now, I think, because they won. But 
but they're playing for the wild card at this point, which is very well, much yeah. Reach, but, but this seems can like turn on a two, or I mean, I guess the A's are still very much in that conversation as well. Yeah, but this can turn on a dime because I really the Red Sox are playing way above the way they're supposed to play. Something mm-hmm. is going on there. I'm not going to say what it is, but something is happening. It's very odd. I don't understand. I feel like they might fall off a cliff at some point. I'm hoping it's August, and I'm hoping the Yankees turn things around, but we'll see. Um, because I've seen this before from the Yankees. Now, they haven't had three other teams to contend with when they've had to come back from something like this. Um, you know, and if they get the wild card, that's fine. After the way they've been playing the first half, you know, I would be happy with a wild card spot. Um, I just, uh, <laughs> again, this the season is very strange. And two players, oh, well, no, one player got hurt tonight. And I think Tim LoCastro hurt himself yesterday and he tore his ACL. So he's gone. He's only he was only with the Yankees for a few days, made a couple of good plays and, you know, ran a uh, hit a single. But, you know, was speedy enough to turn it into a double against I think that was against the Astros and uh, Trey Ambergie, who they just called up this weekend. He strained a hamstring running to first today because the Yankees are totally snake bitten for some reason. I don't understand why. Um, but if anyone is traded to the Yankees, they better be, uh, you know, lighting candles, lighting incense or uh, what's that stuff called? Um, and praying that they don't pull things while they're running because something's going, <laughs> something's happening. Someone put a curse on the Yankees in 2021 or so it seems. I don't think you're going to get a lot of sympathy from our. MLB listeners who are oh, Yankees fans. Oh, no. You know, I mean, I've been saying that I wanted the Yankees to have a really bad season to give these kids, because I can say that I'm going to be 47 in August. I've seen a lot from the Yankees, mm-hmm. and some of these kids really need to see a an actual bad season. A lot of people call back to 2013 and 2014. 2013, they were still in the playoff run until September. 2014, they were what, 84 and 78? It wasn't like they were, you know, it wasn't like they won 60 games. So some of these kids have never seen a bad season and they need to see an actual bad season. Will it happen? Probably not. The Yankees haven't had a losing season since I was in high school, I think. So it's been a while or just about graduating high school. So I, I don't know. I know that I don't get a lot of sympathy, but as an older Yankee fan, I sometimes want my fan base to be tortured just because <laughs> I want to see how they handle it. And they're already not handling it. And they're above 500 right now. Some some Yankees fans just want to watch the world burn. Mm-hmm. Someone, uh, if they want to Photoshop Stacy onto the Joker when he's burning that pile of money, feel free to do so. <laughs> um, I have a question about MLB at large. Yes. So I quote tweeted this because I saw this the other day. I don't even remember what day it was. It's in a pandemic still. Like, I don't, who, who knows what days and times are. But really? <laughs> MLB is getting rid of doubleheader shorter innings. And I think mm. something, I think I saw like the, it was that, it was um, getting rid of the runner on second to start the 10th. Um, and there was one other one. And all I quote tweeted was like, all I want is all these things to stay in the universal DH and let's just go pitch clock, like all that. Like I was at a minor league baseball game Friday night, the Mississippi Braves and the Tennessee Smokies, and they're a breeze. They're moving, Stacy. Like minor league baseball, they're moving. It's fun. The action, the, I, I don't have the numbers to back this up. I don't. But I've been to a lot of minor league baseball games in my life and I've been to a lot of college baseball games in my life. I swear the ball is on the ground way more than in professional. I've been to a lot of Atlanta Braves games. Like the ball is in play so much more in minor league baseball. And it's a delightful thing. Guess what? Fans lose their minds on triples. It's still (laughs) a thing that people love to see is this little, (laughs) 
little guy running around to and diving in the third and like i love to sit around the third base side and just people uh losing their minds for it it's a it's a great thing um it's also a good thing i think a universal good thing and as the arbiter of what's universally good i feel comfortable doing that but are you in favor of major league baseball going backwards on this do you, do you like the the shorter doubleheader endings are you are you a proponent of the runner on second rule what, what with everything that's changed as of late are you okay with it or would you like to see it go back i hate the runner on second rule i oh, hate it oh interesting i absolutely loathe it i think it's too soon in the 10th inning i feel like this rule makes it seem as if there's a problem in mlb with so many extra inning games that go to 16, 17, 18 innings, and that's not the case. I feel like the runner on second shouldn't happen until at least the 12th inning, because then at that point, you're like, all right, just end the game already. Um, I feel like the 10th is too early. If they switched it to the 12th, I wouldn't be as angry with that rule. I just don't like it. I feel like it's something you do in an exhibition game, like an all-star game that you want to end because it's tied or something. Um, the double header thing, mm, okay. There's part of me that doesn't mind it, mm. um, and I still don't remember. You know, like when you're watching a doubleheader and, you know, someone's coming in to pitch the bottom of the seventh and you're thinking, why is he in the game? Oh, that's right. It's only seven innings. Um, but then there's the other part of me. You know, the Yankees and Mets had a rain out in their series. Uh, was that two weeks ago? And they scheduled the split or what is it called? Yeah, right? Split admission doubleheader because one mm. game is one crowd, the second game is the other crowd. And, you know, especially for a premium game like that, you spend more money to see the Yankees and the Mets play, especially if you're buying your tickets on something like StubHub. And I understand from that point of view of the person who's paying a premium amount of money to see a nine inning game, then have to go on a completely different game uh, day and see a seven inning game. I can see why that would be annoying for them. And I don't know how you fix that. You know what I mean? I don't know if I understand it from the COVID standpoint too, because especially last season, there were so many times where teams had to, was it the Nationals and the Phillies? Were they the ones that kept having to play doubleheaders in the Marlins? It felt like all the East teams had to keep playing <laughs> doubleheaders because they kept having COVID protocol problems and guys testing positive. So from that standpoint, I get it. But I also understand the fan standpoint being pissed off that you're paying for nine innings, but only seeing seven. But I don't know how they fix that. You know, I mean, I get it from the, pace of play standpoint you don't want to be especially if it's a uh, single admission doubleheader you don't want to sit there for 18 hours watching two games i just i mean i guess that pirates girl did she was about it do you remember the pirates girl at the braves game years ago now screaming at the top of her lungs do you remember this i don't it was unreal i'll i remember this game forever because she was in left field and you could hear her on the broadcast and they found her but she was yelling the top of her lungs late in this game. She's like, I want to go home. Oh, that's uh, funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. You have to look at this pirates girl. Like, <laughs> like, just, well, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, <laughs> I always like telling this story when I was still writing for baseball perspectives. The last thing I wrote for them was actually the 18 inning world series game between the Red Sox and the Dodgers. And I'm here on the East coast and that game happened in LA and I was, the game ended, I think 5 AM here. Mm. And I was up, I, when did I, oh, I put my piece in at 6.59 a.m. <laughs> and then I went to bed. 
And I thought to myself, as the game kept going, I'm like, of course, the one game they have me write about this entire playoff has to be the one where I'm stuck up until five (laughs) writing this game story. It's like, are you kidding? So from that standpoint, I don't mind the runner on second in the 10th inning. But no, I, (laughs) I don't know. I really don't like it. Like I said, if it was the 12th, I could see it. But the 10th seems like it's too soon because it's not even like you're just into extra innings. You don't, you're not at the point where you're like, oh, this is too much baseball for me. You know, once you get to the 12th, 13th, 14th, that's when you're like, okay, if we're getting into a second seven inning stretch, this is too much, Okay. you know? Yeah. <laughs> there's the, it's funny. There's no hockey or soccer thing you can do. You can't do a penalty shootout. Like imagine like a home run or like derby. a bunting contest, a- <laughs> <laughs> like a skills contest. Try and bunt this to third, try and bunt this to first. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I just want the universal DH. I'm ready to move on. That, yeah, that was something too. that bothered me, and Adam Duvall being great this year is another reason. I don't. Well, we had the Chin Ming Wong thing happen mm-hmm. in '08. Uh, yeah, that was '08, right? And it happened in Houston when they were still in the NL, and that just basically ruined his career. So yeah, Yankee fans have nightmares about pitchers uh, batting. Even though, I mean, that was the last time that really anything bad happened. Um, you know, because occasionally a pitcher will do something good like the guy that hit the grand slam last week mm-hmm. or um you know i mean it's fun to see jacob Degrom hit because he's pretty good i mean he probably would be a much better hitter if he was actually an offensive player you know because he's a pitcher he doesn't bat as much but when he does he you know hits the ball pretty well and he actually looks like he knows what he's doing but for the most part pitchers look like they've never picked up a bat in their lives because it's universal dh in triple a and double a and college like they're not like that was my whole thing is like i think i would be more pro keeping the the discrepancy across both leagues if it was true across the leagues right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. i think that would sway me back the other way but i'm like they're literally not doing this anywhere else and then to just get to the majors and be like all right you're back batting again i think that is uh quite silly and uh just a waste of time like i i I want continuity if there's no continuity Throw it out. Um, I feel like it's risky, too. Yeah. You know, half these guys are, I feel like a coach, a coach, a manager should say to the guy, don't swing. Don't do anything mm-hmm. that's going to hurt you. Just go up there. And unless a ball is, you know, coming at you, don't move. Just stand up there. I don't know. I'm always, when I'm watching games and seeing pitchers bat, I'm always kind of, it's almost like I'm watching UFC and expecting a leg to break. Cause I'm like, Oh God, no, you know, <laughs> I don't like it. So yeah, I agree with the universal DH. I think that would be better. Starling Marte declining an extension offer from the Miami Marlins. Mm. It's like, he is not going to be part of their long-term plans. Where do you, where do you see him fitting? Where would you like to see Starling Marte? If he is not a Marlin during this uh, rebuild, they don't keep him around. Um, I'm seeing people talking about the Yankees and Astros mm-hmm. scouting him. I also saw an article by Bosox Injection, which I love that name so much, mm-hmm. even though I don't like the team, um, about the Red Sox getting him. I do not want the Red Sox getting him. Um, they don't need anyone. They're fine. Um, I that don't would, think the- that would inhibit your August fall from grace. Exactly. Yeah. That wouldn't help my, you know, dream scenario. So let's mm-hmm. not do that. Um, but I do see him going to the American League. Um, just not sure where. And I'm interested to see what happens, um, especially with Kim Ang, uh, you know, running the show finally down there. Um, 
I'm interested to see what's where he's going to end up. I just don't want him on a team that's going to hurt the Yankees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the White Sox make sense, I think, with their injuries. Yeah. Yes. I could see, I can see him that. there. Um, I don't really know who else. Like, like you said, the Yankees make a lot of sense, but the Blue Jays have no, no need. I guess maybe the Rays? Maybe? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who makes the most sense there, uh, but I am interested to see what his value is and what they get for him. Right. Um, also think it's kind of interesting that he is not in on sticking around for the rebuild, even if they do pay him to stick around as they rebuild because the Marlins are coming. They have a great young trio of arms. And when Sixto Ch- Sanchez comes back and their pipeline, quite interesting. They paid uh, a high premium on their first round pick who fell a little bit. It's always interesting to me. Do you keep, do you understand this a little bit where guys fall and the reason they fall is because, and then certain teams won't touch them, even though they would touch them on their board if the money was right, but they let them keep going because they're not going to be able to sign them. So they just take somebody they know is worse because they can't afford said player. Like it is the major league baseball, like just reading baseball America and reading the pieces and reading why certain guys move and certain guys go. I'm just amazed. I'm like baseball, like sports is dumb. That that is mm-hmm. me right at sports is dumb. What are we doing? That like, you can't even take the player that you want because you're not sure if they're gonna you're gonna be able to give them that money in that particular slot. Like it's it's wild. And then they have a deal with the team at 16 who will pay them that. So the Marlins were overpaid. Like it's it's so wild to me. It's hard to keep up with, Stacy. Yeah, it is. I um I kind of pay attention to the draft, but not really, because as you were saying earlier with the Yankees, especially when they pick pitchers and try to develop them, nothing ever really <laughs> There's no out. point. Yeah. Why are right. they still taking pictures? They should only yeah. take positional players. No reason yeah. to do it anymore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they took a couple, but um, I don't know. I always, I always feel like it's such a, when you think about it, because when you think about how many people are drafted and you think about who actually makes it to the majors, it's, it really is such a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it is a big deal when you make the majors. I don't think there are people who don't realize this. Like, they don't realize that there are guys who spend their entire careers in the minors and never make it up. Or maybe they'll come up for a week and then go back down and they're basically like a career minor league player. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's just amazing to me the rareness of making the majors and being a good player and being a top player. I just, I'm fascinated by that. I had a friend who was drafted um, and he made it to, he was drafted by the Marlins, 1992. He played for the Braves at one point. Mm. Do I know this player? His name's Will Kinane. He was a pitcher. Mm. And he actually, when he was on the Braves, I believe, he made it onto SportsCenter because he was pitching and he was also two for three at the plate and hit like a double or a triple. So on the SportsCenter, the old SportsCenter scoreboard, his name was on the line at the bottom of the box score because mm-hmm. he was two for three from the plate. And he had a pretty nice career. You know, he played for the, Pod- uh, the Padres, too. Saw him play the Mets in uh, 98 or 99 and... You know, it was a big deal that someone from my dinky, hicky town, even though I'm 30 miles north of New York City, actually made it into the majors. It was pretty cool. That is cool. Uh, Matt Olson. I don't know if you know this guy, Matt Olson. Mm-hmm. Went to my high school. His brother graduated with me. But um, I watched him play in person when he was in high school. A very large human then. He was one of those with the swing where he had power, like just he made it look easy where he would mm-hmm. hit the ball. Just like him being in the home run derby major league baseball is one of the least surprising things I've ever seen in sports where you watch him in part view is now just a baseball powerhouse. And we put out a lot of a lot of people. But 
Um, well, you did. know those carnival things mm-hmm. where they do the fast pitch? Like yes. they. Well, Will would go up to... <laughs> You know, Will was this tall, lanky, you know, geeky looking guy. Mm-hmm. And the person running the uh, carnival th- would be like, okay. And then he would throw 92 miles an hour. And the guy would be like, holy crap, you should be playing baseball. And Will's <laughs> like, I will be. Because this was high school. He was hitting 91, 92. Yes. So, and that was 1991, 1992. So, you know, it's not like now where guys are throwing 98 to 100 regularly. Back then, 92 was a big deal. But it's also just like is it, you can see this too, where you just you just see people and you're just like clearly that person's just different. Like they are mm-hmm. built for bigger and better things, and it doesn't oh, yeah. look fair. It, I saw Jeff Francoeur when I was really young, and just it just looked different. Like there's just guys where you're like, that's clearly going to be an MLB player. Like they just look different, <laughs> right? They didn't really do anything, and that was like part of it. Where I feel like like how much of this was just genetic? You were just born into like pro athlete body, and you were just like, hey, I should play this sport to maximize my abilities. Um. The Nationals. Yes. They have been linked to Chris Bryant for a long time. I feel like dating back to when Bryce Harper was a Washington National. Mm. Um, They obviously lost Anthony Rendon. And they're, again, speaking of prospects that uh, don't necessarily work out, even if they're highly touted, Carter Kybum. Oh, yes. Right? Like, that's just yeah. another example where it's just, you don't know. And Austin Riley looked like it until he didn't. Um, it's just a crapshoot is the, the big story here. Mm-hmm. And Chris Bryant, not going to get paid by the Cubs because of said, quote, reasons. And he is probably going to get traded. And the Nationals, because the Nationals are maybe the weirdest team to me in Major League Baseball, where they are fighting with every, every amount of in them to not have to do a rebuild and tear down with Mike mm-hmm. Rizzo and the Lerner family. They're just like, we don't want to rebuild, which I respect in this age where a third of major league baseball is not trying to win. The Nationals right. are trying to win and they are paying people to win baseball games. They've been hurt in their starting rotation. Um, they are still within striking distance. The Braves obviously dealing with their injuries. The Mets have just seemingly no interest in winning the NL East to Grom injured again. Um, the Phillies bullpen just being historically bad. Like it's crazy to say that the nationals could easily go on a run because they have the assets. They have the pieces they can go and do stuff and they have the pitching. If they're all healthy to make a run. Um, I would love this as a race fan. No, I don't want Chris Bryant on the nationals, but like that makes it even weirder. The NL East is already weird. And Chris Mm -hmm. Bryant going to the nationals. You already have the league's worst farm system per Keith law. What do you have to lose? You've paid all these guys anyway. Just do it. I, I'm for it. Like, I, I'm okay with it. What do you what do you have to lose if you're the Nationals? Right. And I think it would be good. I mean, considering all the ways the Cubs have screwed him, <laughs> dating back to his service time when he first started, mm-hmm. I, I feel like this would be good for him. Um, I'm actually interested to see where a bunch of the Cubs end up if they sell. Um, you know, they're... They're only a game under 500, but they're nine games back of the Brewers. And they're so streaky. Um, You know, the Cubs will win like maybe four in a row, but then they'll lose 10 in a row. And I don't see them really doing much of anything. So I'm interested to see where a bunch of those guys end up because I can see the Ricketts family just being like, bye to some of those guys and try and get things back for them. So, um, but I think the, the Nationals would be a good, I think he needs a change. I really do for Bryant. I think that'd be good for him. Plus Schwab was there. And I think they'll pay him. Like, I think that's yeah. a situation when they would pay him. Um, 
yeah, the, the Cubs, that's like an entire podcast in and of itself. Um, <laughs> right. Speaking of the Cubs, though, I do have one last thing on the Cubs. Mm-hmm. There's reports that they are going to try, I'm going to guess from inside the Cubs front office, that they are going to make good faith negotiation efforts to re-sign or extend, rather, Anthony Rizzo and Javier Baez before they explore trading them before the deadline. Do you mm-hmm. buy that sentiment, Stacy, that they are going to actually try and lock up I mean, Baez obviously falling off a little bit from where he was a couple of years ago, but Rizzo being a cornerstone piece of a championship team, being just the heart of that Chicago Cubs team, really, um, right. it would make sense to keep those guys because it, you don't have to tear it all down. Like That's when people talk right. about the Orioles, where they're like, what are they going to get from Mancini? I'm like, why do they have to move Trey Mancini? They can be bad with him. Just He's a great story. He was in the like home run derby. He's... He is a great story. You don't just have to trade these people because they make money and you have to have only bad young players. Like that right. is not how it should be. Like you need veterans and you need people and you need to pay the middle of the road guys. You need to keep them. Like that is, uh, that, see, there you go. That's another entire podcast in and of itself. But <laughs> back to my question, Stacey, what do you, what do you think? Do you think that that's going to actually happen? We could see an extension for one and or two of them, or do you think that this is just something they're putting out for PR? I think I could see it with Rizzo. Um, I'm not sure about both, but I wouldn't be surprised if it were both because I feel like, you know, I mean, I was just joking about them selling off all their players, but I see them at least exploring, you know, trading Bryant, uh, Kimbrell, right? Kimbrell, I don't think is moved this year. Because I, I don't know. I was seeing a lot of people. Well, well a lot of people were speculating. Thing. I seem to recall where they can just uh, like they can he's it's a weird team control situation going into next year. I I wanted to pull it up, but there's like a weird contract nugget with him where they do not have to rush to move him because they can just run him back next year and see what happens. Hmm. And maybe like I I don't know. We we shall see with him. Right. Right. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they did it with both. I wouldn't be surprised if it was just Rizzo um, because I feel like Rizzo is the type of player that the Cubs will want to keep from a you know, performance standpoint, from a personality standpoint, um, you know, n- not that you think of just Anthony Rizzo when you think of the Cubs, but he is one of the guys you think of from that team that won and from when you think about them now. Not quite like, you know, thinking about Aaron Judge on the Yankees or, um, you know, Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado on the Padres and that sort of thing. But he's one of those guys. And I feel like out of those two, he would be the one. Yeah, I would be interested to see what I think Rizzo's value is pretty low right now. I would not expect like if the Brewers came calling or the Red Sox or anything like that to give up a a serious package for him, especially Mm -hmm. after what we just saw for you, Darvish, this offseason. I suspect Rizzo's trade value is not great. And I I would just be curious what bias were because it's basically a team would have to talk themselves into him getting back with a change of scenery. Like if the Braves wanted to explore it, I wouldn't be like admin opposed. Like you can move Riley to the outfield. Like that's, that's fine. But um, I don't know. I would not, uh, I would not be opposed to certain teams taking a flyer, taking a chance on a bias. Um, Speaking of the Braves, they added Mm. Mr. Vote, Voked. Bocked? I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'll never know how to pronounce his last name. B-O-G-T. How did you know, Stacey? I'm bad with names. How do you pronounce I his think name? It's, I think it's Vote. That's what I thought. Okay. Vote and Jock Peterson, who I'm a big Jock Peterson guy, and I love this trade. I talked about Atlanta Sports Guys on Friday, but did you like these moves in the Braves as they try 
and keep this thing afloat without Ronald Acuna Jr. for the rest of the season. Yeah, um, I do. I just think it's funny, though, because when I was um, watching the game earlier, Vasker, I think it was Vaskurgeon. Vaskurgeon may have been someone else, but they were talking about they just happen to be talking about the Braves and Jock Peterson and saying that if things don't happen with the Braves in the next two weeks, that they might move him. And I thought, what? <laughs> I'm like, the Braves are right there. The NL East, as you were saying earlier, is pretty. I mean, even with Miami being nine and a half games out, you know, it, they're not it, they're all kind of bunched there. The top four. I mean, Washington's only six games out. Atlanta's right there in the middle of four games out. I don't see them giving things up. They're only two games under 500. So I thought that was very odd. And I like that move for them. The Jock Peterson move. I thought it was good. Um, I felt awful about Acuna. That is just terrible because I really, it's just awful when you see a young, exciting player like that have an injury happen like that. I mean, what was that like for you as a Braves fan? I can't even imagine. Well, it's just weird to see a torn ACL in baseball anyway. Like the injury itself to see it happen in real time was wild because it's just not, it, it didn't look like a baseball injury. It's something you see in basketball, the way he fell and every, like it was just, it was jarring to see a baseball player fall and have that sort of injury. So yeah. that was jarring, but like just his tears and just how upset he was and just how much he cares. It just sucks yeah. like that. It just, it just sucks. And like, for me, this was the big reason I was so much of a proponent for Peterson was that like, this front office, like I'm naturally, I shouldn't, I guess cynical, but also just like, I, I don't think major league baseball front offices by and large deserve the benefit of the doubt by and large. And I think mm. even as a fan, you have to look at the stuff where you're like, Ooh, were they looking like the Cubs are the best example of this right now where they're like, Oh, we, we were gonna, we were gonna buy, but this 10 game losing streak really, ended stuff and we fell off so what are we going to do and like no we we know that you wanted this to be the case like you were not happy that you were in first in the middle of june in the nl central you were not pleased with that which is just where we are in baseball um and this is when i got mad online in my like guess mad on my run i should say like a week and a half i guess maybe it was a week ago where buster only and jesse rogers were talking about it on baseball night podcast where it's normalized. And I was like, oh, the Cubs won. I wrote about it. Where I'm like, the Cubs and Major League Baseball front offices won here. We normalized them being like, well, they didn't want to contend. And now they're not. So Jed's going to be able to do it. And I'm like, what? Are we glossing over them just being like, we're not happy about being in first? Like, what is the point? Like, uh, <laughs> what What do you mean this top three market in sports is not happy about being in first place? Is this what we're like? How do we normalize this? How are you not just like, this is disgusting. Get them out of here. This is not, this is bad for the heart and soul of the sport. Um, all this to say, the Braves could have just been like, all right, we're trading Morton. We're trading whatever, Will Smith. We're trading, uh, I, I, I don't want to say Freeman because I think there actually might be like a fan revolt. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, to an unreal extent if that was the case. But like, I think they would have done everything outside of that. And I'm glad they did not. I'm glad that they are giving it a real shot because like you said, the NL East is winnable. Like the NL mm -hmm. East is a dumpster fire right now. They can easily, <laughs> they can't win a world series, but they mm. can give us a reason to watch on Tuesday night still, which was my main hope was that like, do you know how depressing it is when baseball, because there's so many games and then the off season. And then you're like, man, I don't even have a reason to watch the rest of my team's games because our best player is gone and they're selling. Like, why, why am I watching this? Drew Waters on Thursdays? Like, what? 
I this bums me out. I would just want to watch the Braves and not be sad. And I want like this is good. It gave me a reason to keep watching, which is I guess kind of all you can hope for after a devastating injury is them just not taking the cynical route and actually trying to patch things up and keep the season alive. Right. Yeah. yeah. That that I hope that was coherent. I'm not sure. I hope yes. that was coherent. Okay. Um <laughs> as we wrap up here tonight, Stacy, on Sunday night baseball on this Chase Sounds podcast. Um your favorite baseball story that you read this week was what? Well, this actually has more to do with visuals because a video came out of <laughs> JD Martinez before the All-Star game or during I guess it was probably um before the home run derby was telling people that Garrett Cole ignored the Red Sox on the team bus. But Amy Cole came out and said that J.D. Martinez is lying <laughs> and that Garrett Cole just didn't hear them <laughs> and that he wasn't actually ignoring them. And I just found that to be so funny <laughs> because, you know, Yankee fans are all, he shouldn't say hi to them. You know, he's totally into the rivalry. This is great. And I was just laughing. I'm like, he probably didn't hear them. He may have had ear pods and he has long hair. Maybe they didn't <laughs> see his ears. <laughs> like. I can't imagine Garrett Cole ignoring them. Like I just it just seems so funny to me that she was like, Yeah, no, he's lying. And I thought to myself, this is definitely my favorite baseball story of the week. Even before you, you know, told me we were gonna talk about that. I was like, No, this is the best story that came out this week. I love it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um well Stacey, this has been great. I greatly appreciate uh you making the time on this Sunday night baseball uh edition of the podcast. Um, what can we check out from you uh, this past weekend? What lies ahead this week on the docket for Stacey Gottsulius? I remember saying that very fast and very because it's a fun name to say fast. And I remember <laughs> that from several years ago when we first started recording together, Stacey. Yeah, people see my see my last name and they get scared at first. And then when I tell them how it's said, they think, oh, okay, so it's like it's spelled. I said, yes, that's <laughs> that's how it works usually. I mean, you know, not really with Greek last names, but anyway. Locked on Yankees five days a week. Um, you know, we're into the thick of it. You know, there's no excuses. I have to do five days a week. No, I'm kidding. Um, I enjoy doing it five days a week, you know, and I have plenty to talk about with the team this year. And then the IBWAA podcast where I conduct interviews and I talk to IBWAA members about their writing careers and general baseball stuff. And I'm really into the podcasting thing. The writing thing about baseball not so much but podcasting i will podcast as much as possible so that's where everyone can check me out all right well keep up the great work i greatly appreciate it and don't forget folks uh follow at stacy gots or stace gots i think mm-hmm. is the actual handle on twitter uh follow myself at chase underscore thomas check out the pod at apple Podcasts, and if you do leave a five-star rating review if you like listening to stacy and i talk major league baseball and check out the free daily sports column at sports renaissanceman.substack.com Stacy, thank you so much for making the time. Uh, let's do this again soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. <laughs>